everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome, and of course, we always promise intelligent conversation with interesting people. Please hit that subscribe button as we grow this thing from the ground up. You can catch us on Instagram at Edric Show, and all of that will be in the link where you can get a hold of us and uh, let us know what you think about the show. Um, today's show is, uh, I'm, I'm going to title it Vinyl Therapy. Um, Vinyl collecting and vinyl music is white hot right now. Uh, most folks know that, um, you know, record sales, according to New Music News, vinyl record sales were the highest they've been in 30 years. Uh, there are more vinyl record sales now than compact discs. And it's to the point where artists who want to release their, their music on vinyl are facing a nine to 12 month delay in processing. That's how popular vinyl records are right now. Our guest today is D. Gregory Craig. He's also known as B-Dub. He's the co-host of Everything OG, which you can find on YouTube. That's his YouTube channel. It is for diggers, by diggers. He is a fellow vinyl record aficionado. And today we're going to have a conversation about vinyl records. So, D. Gregory, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So for our viewing audience, just so you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a record festival in Sacramento uh, very early in the morning. And um, I look over, I'm doing my thing, and I see this brother across the way. <laughs> and he's looking at me. And uh, we just kind of <laughs> connected. And uh, we were both lamenting on uh, we were kind of the only folks that look like us for the most part <laughs> in, this final, in this record festival. And so I knew that was somebody I needed to get on the show and talk to. So uh, let's start out, man, with, with where you grew up, where you from. Give us a little bit about your bio, man. Okay, well, originally I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, specifically Markham, Illinois. Um, my parents had records and music's always been a part of my life, man. I remember on Sundays, my mom would turn on the Dusty's channel and you know, playing the Dusties, and my dad had records. He played Jimi Hendrix and Elton John and The Doors and James Brown and Motown. Like, his taste was eclectic. Hmm. You know, he didn't stick to just the Black artists. He rock, jazz. He had Coltrane, Thelonious in his collection, you know. And from there, you know, I just, you know, it, it touched my soul. You know, yeah. it spoke to me. And then, you know, hip-hop came around. And I say, hey, I know that song. I know that sample, where, where that came from. And going through my father's collection, like, hey, this is James Brown. And then making that connection. And then after that, it was just unleashed. Record stores all the time. Yeah. So is it uh, like me? Is it is it a sickness for you where, uh, you know, I, I, I can't go through at least a week or two without some kind of way of looking for vinyl or digging for some vinyl or trying oh, to find stuff I've been searching for? So tell us about your collecting uh, style and just how how that affects you, man. Uh, yeah, I got to look at least if it's seven days in a week. I got to look at least five. <laughs> I got to go out and even if I uh, you know I looked and they said I don't have no new records, I'm digging to something I might have missed. I um, let's see, how did I? You know, I, I just started. Actually, I started going through older people's collection when I first started like my father's collection, my friends' parents' collections, girlfriends' parents' collections. Then um, when I moved away, you know, I moved to New York City. Well, it's originally I went to school 
in Morehouse in Atlanta. And, um, you know, down south, they had flea markets and thrift stores and record conventions. And that's where I, I learned a little bit more about vinyl collecting. And I got a lot of early gems in my collection during that time before the inflation of costs. Man, that, that's, <laughs> let's talk about that because that was one of my questions I have listed. Um, for me, I noticed it about three, four years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit more where the price of vinyl just went through the roof. Um, because before, like you said, man, it was, you would be out there, $4 records here, good condition, right? $5 here and there. But then all of a sudden, uh, the prices just went up. So, so speak on that a little bit and, and your thoughts on, on just how- In the 90s, yeah. I was getting records from thrift stores and flea markets for 50 cents to a dollar a record, 10 cents for 45s. You know, I'm like the dollar bin bandit. <laughs> you know, if I can get it for cheap, I'm going to get it for cheap. Now, if there's something I really want and I can't get it for cheap, I'll shout out the money. You know, sure. I remember my first what I thought was expensive was a $20 record at the time. And that was Nautilus, uh, Bob James one. Hmm. I really wanted that sample. And I met this guy. His name is Richard in Atlanta. And he was like a, a record dealer. And somebody from the, there was a college radio station. I've got the uh, Georgia State Radio. Talib uh, Shabazz ran it. And one of the DJs told me about the, the guy, Richard. Got in touch with him, went to his house, bought the record. And at that time, that was my prized possession, like the most I'd ever spent on a record. You know, because like I said, anything from, I mean, $5 is like around the, the okay, this is, this ain't going to break me, but I don't want to buy too many $5 records versus, hey, I, you know, I can spend a dollar 50 cents all day. Fortunately, the 90s are, are gone and now we're into the 2000s. And man, some of these prices I see for records, and it's not too much the price, it's the condition that the yeah. record they're in that they're charging. Amen. I wouldn't be so mad about the price. I, I saw two records on the wall yesterday. And, you know, I was excited to see them. And, you know, they, the price was like average, $60 for one, 100 for the other. But when I pulled them out, they were like, and, and they were scratching. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how they had the nerve to charge that much for them. But I mean, I, it, I don't complain anymore because it's, you know, that's whatever their reasons is. They do it. I just had the right to not buy it and go elsewhere. You know, well, I know enough about finding records that I'm, I'm not stuck to just one particular place. And, you know, I'm not going to be that guy in a record store. Like, why are you selling this in this condition at this price? Hey, you know, do whatever, do what style will. <laughs> yeah, but the hard part, though, is is like you say, that walking away, especially when it's something that, oh, I got to have that one, man. That's. I don't have it. I mean, you're probably a completist like I am. So if you want yeah. a certain artist, man, you want, you know, the whole deal. But um, I've noticed it, you know, like you, um, certain record stores and, you know, around the Bay Area. I'm not going to say exactly where. Yeah. And, um, you know, dude was charging like $35, $40 for some records. And I'm like, like, you, it's like, wow, this is not even, you know, very good condition. The, the cover is not good. No gloss, yeah. no sheen, right? I mean, the scratches. Exactly. You know, I'm like, nah, I, I can't do that. But like you, I'm sure uh, if there's something you really, really want and it's great condition, you'll get it, right? Yeah. I mean, now when I look, 
you know, I'm looking for stuff I don't have, the rare stuff, you know, if I'm going to spend some money. But a lot of times I, I'll go out and I'll just see cheapies of stuff I have that's in good condition. And I'm not sure of the condition I have at home. So I'll grab it if it's a good record for cheap, two or three bucks or something. I have a, a lot of those that I've got recently, just records that I know I have two copies or a copy of it already. But here it is, cheap, two, three bucks. Hey, I can maybe grab it and trade it to somebody for something else. Now, are there any artists or genres or, or types of records that you, you really, really specialize in or, or that's a passion to you? Mostly soul, funk, R&B, you know, gospel. I, I've been on a gospel kick for the last few years. And, um, you know, it comes from producing and stuff. Sometimes I, you know, make music on the side. And what I like about gospel music are the intros, the instrumentals. You know, you can sample them, chop them up. And it's an overlooked you know, genre. A lot of people want the rare groove stuff, but some of them early Savoy records and and other labels, they have cool little piano, guitar, solo intros and drums, and you can just, you know, do your thing. So when everybody else is going in that way, looking for the, these big, I'm in the little cheek bands looking for the, the gospel where I can catch a riff here and there and, you know. Man. Well, to, to that point, uh, you know, gospel, as you know, as a music uh, artist and other there's really no difference to me between blues gospel rock and roll it's just the exactly lyrics. it's just the lyrics exactly. the music is the same it's, it's yeah. literally sam <laughs> cook shattered that wall sam cook Rita franklin they shattered those walls exactly so it's music man it's it's and and you're absolutely right i i, I put i would put billy preston in that category Billy, uh, yeah i had a chance to see him probably 10 15 years ago maybe more we was at a church in Berkeley and he just popped in, man, and just went to town on the organ. Oh, wow. So, you know, if those of you don't know, you youngsters out there, Google Billy Preston, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's about finding what you like. And so, you know, that's what advice would you give to someone? Because I was in a record store a few day, couple of days ago, right here locally mm -hmm. where I am. And uh, no disrespect to the younger crowd. I mean, they, they are what they are, but it was, they were probably, it was a couple, maybe in their early 20s, whatever. And you could tell they were new because yeah. they, she walked up, well, what is this? And, you know, uh, do you have something I can play it on? I mean, they were just getting started. I'm thinking, okay, it's popular now. You know, it's a popular form of collecting now. So uh, what advice would you give outside of, you know, the types of finding something that you love, but um, tell people, and, and before you, before you answer, just so that our, our listeners know, uh, vinyl record collectors are very, um, secretive about where we shop and where we go right we don't, <laughs> we, we don't always advertise we'll, we'll give you general ideas and that's that's okay so i don't want you yeah. to give away your trade secrets because you, you know we always got those those go-to's where you go and you find what you like but what what advice would you give somebody who's like yeah i'd like to get involved in some of this final collecting what, what, what would you tell them well a lot of times i see young guys digging in the record stores and i'm like digging next to them to the bargain bin I'll pull out certain records I think are good beginner records. Like, hey, this has a drum break on it or a bass line or so-and-so sample this. And I ask them, what kind of stuff are you looking for? And I'll pull out a few that they might have overlooked. Like, hey, I don't know if you saw this, but this is a good record to get. And sometimes they'll take my recommendations. Other times they'll just, you know, keep digging what they're looking for. I don't know what kids look for nowadays, but I just try to put them on to, you know, easily overlook records, you know, that they're, they're, they're looking for the brand name. You know, usually they're looking for like the Rick James, the Prince, the Michaels, 
you know, but they may not know about the Commodores got this or the Al Green has this or, you know, this rock group, Tanya Tucker has a nice little drum break on it or even this Cher has a drum break or, you know, stuff like that. I and mean, sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll turn their nose up at it. I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> take take a chance. You know, that's what record buying is about. And my my whole philosophy is if the cover looks interesting and it's cheap, I'm going to grab it. Yeah. Man. You know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get burned, but, you know, if it's cheap, it's not that big of a loss. Right. Right. And there's always something. I mean, you know, we know that albums back in the day, very few albums were you could put it on from and run both sides out. And every every song is great. And I mean, there was filler, man. Everybody has filler right outside of, you know, maybe maybe like you say, Prince, Michael Jackson, people like that. The biggies. But, you know, I I really love uh, the composers like Alalo Schifrin. All right. Okay. I'm all on Lalo Schifrin right now. Been on a kick, you know. Did Enter the Dragon. Did a whole bunch of '70s stuff. Uh, jazz came up through the, be- you know, tail in a bebop into, you know, when jazz went into fusion. And you know, Lalo Schifrin is a bad, bad man. And so, yeah, I love composers. And um, when I was checking out your your Instagram page, something caught my eye, and I was like, okay, I know you have very taste because you had a Link Ray album cover. <laughs> and if you if you don't know about Link Ray, uh, there's, there's a, actually a documentary, I think it's still on Amazon Prime, about the impact of Native Americans on popular music. And Link Ray with Rumble changed the game. I mean, he really did. So how did that Link Ray connection come to, to you? And uh, when, did you, when did you first start going, venturing down that kind of road, man? Um... You know, I, I had Link, this year was the first year I, I heard of Link Ray. I'd see maybe there's pictures on people's Instagram and everything. And I saw it in a while and I said, I saw, I've seen this before. You know, this is cheap. Let me check it out. So I, I got it and I listened to it and I was like, oh, it's some funky stuff on here. You know, I, I was surprised. Like him, uh, Tony Joe White, I think, you know, he has some funky stuff on there. Like some of these country or folk artists, you know, you can't sleep on them because you, you might think, oh, it's just acoustic guitar and them war protest songs. But they get down on some of them, especially the country artists like some like that muscle show, some of that, you know, that Nashville. You know, you think of country and you think Dolly Parton, Johnny Cash and the Twain. Right. But some of them is it's like country rock with a little jazz and funk in it and, you know, stacks. And, you know, you can always judge a. A record buys cover, you know, even though that's, yeah. you're, you know, yeah. you look at the cover and you yeah. want to grab it. Sometimes you have to go for those unassuming ones, too. And I think that's where Instagram has been a help for me at in increasing my taste. You know, I follow a lot of different record collectors and I'll peep what they grab. And sometimes they'll post clips or give a description. I'm like, OK, you know, next time I'm out digging, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. And I, sometimes I'll find it. Sometimes I'll go on Discogs and. And if it's cheap, I'll grab it and, you know, get it home. Like, OK, you know, and I'll say in that aspect, Instagram has been a, a big benefit in, in collecting, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that arena. I mean, it has its cons, too. I mean, Internet has its cons, too. The prices of everything has gone up now. Right. What might have been a cheap record in, in this state because of Instagram, I mean, in the Internet. It's now expensive everywhere because they right. say, oh, they're getting, they're asking $50 for it in Chicago. Well, hell, we got 10 of them here. Yeah. Let's ask 50 of them yeah. for here, here. We can mail it out and, and get just as much money. 
Yeah. So that's the only bad. That's one bad thing. But, you know, but that's a great point you make about that, because I know even probably before even the pandemic, um, I would buy a lot of records from overseas <clears> and <throat> the shipping costs weren't crazy like they are now. I mean, yeah, you buy stuff from Germany, from, you know, everywhere. And now uh, sometimes the shipping costs more than the record, man. I mean, you got records over in London that are like, you know, maybe 15 bucks, but it's $25 to ship them. And so they kind yeah. of, it's like, mm, you know, so I look now, I'm, I sort it first for what's in the U.S. just because yeah. of the shipping costs. But that's, a, again, it's just a popularity and what's going on with, with shipping in the world. Yeah, media mail, they're asking like six dollars, six fifty now. And I remember when four dollars was the norm. Yeah. There was a record I wanted to buy. And I think it only wanted two dollars, but they wanted six dollars to ship it. So <laughs> that's eight dollars. Then plus tax. Now they're charging tax. So it's ten dollars mm-hmm. for a two dollar record. And I was like, okay, I'll just take my chance and wait till I find it in the wild now. Yeah. yeah, man. You know. I mean, I don't want to sound cheap, but you you know, with money and cost of everything and, and value. You want to get your value, you know, you know, you, you don't want to just be spending. I think that might be a lot of these new collectors. You know, they just have all this disposable income and they're going to go for the grails and just spend. Oh, yeah, I got this on eBay. I want it for one hundred fifty. Why would you pay one hundred and fifty for a twenty dollar record? Exactly. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, more, ha- more, you know, you got it. You got it. But some of us are like, dude, you know, you're driving the price up for no reason. Or you're not you shopping. Know. You're not. You're not really putting the time in. Yeah. To see where other it might be available somewhere else at a better price, man. And I believe it's a buyer's market. You know, mm-hmm. if this person is selling it and you don't want to buy from them, you can go elsewhere. Somebody's going to have it cheaper or where you want it. It's just if you have the patience. You know. Mm-hmm. You you know you don't have to buy the the first one you see with it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think that's where it comes. You know, patience comes in the game because my philosophy is they didn't make just one of this record. So there's more copies and you'll see it again. Now, sometimes you may not be. It may be years before you see it again. Right. right. But pay, collection collecting is a patience thing. You know, you got to have patience. It is. And, and you got to have instinct to where sometimes if you see something, jump on it. You just. Yeah. You know, because like you say, out in the wild, uh, I, I'm kicking myself because about six months ago, I was at a place uh, doing some digging <clears throat> and I saw um, the original uh, Pete Rock CL Smooth, um, When They Reminisce Over You, that whole album, right? Yeah. And I think it was like 40 bucks. And I was like, ah. and I didn't get it. Ah. You know, and I'm kicking myself <laughs> now. You know, that's, that's Pete Rock CL Smooth, man. And I'm like, why didn't I... So it's regret. And I looked up and I was like, oh, I'm paying that for it. So those are the kind of the, the ones that get away. So uh, anything for you, man, like that, where, where one got away, where you you thought about yeah. it? Man, tell me about it. Uh, it was at a flea market and I was digging through one box real quick and I saw the back of an album and I thought it was a George Duke album. I passed on it. And I went to the next box and the guy behind me went and went straight for the record. He flipped it over. And it was a Marvin Holmes, one of his late 80 records. And I was like, God, damn. <laughs> you know, but fortunately, I, I found it on Discogs like maybe a few weeks later for 20 bucks. I'd rather have paid the three dollars the guy was asking for. But right, right. 20 bucks ain't bad for that. But, 
you know, most of my regrets is just digging too fast and passing over stuff and just like, ah, I got to slow down, pay attention more, Yeah, you know? Yeah, I like reading the credits, man, and session musicians and seeing the commonality. Oh, okay, this cat played on this record. And, oh, if he's playing on this record, then you know it's going to be this and that. So yeah, uh, the credits and, and um, you know, I, I know we're in the streaming era now. And in many ways, streaming really benefits the consumer because you literally can get what you want when you want it. You're not beholden to what's programmed to you. Uh, I remember the, the golden era of Napster. And uh, I tell mm. young folks, you guys just don't understand what Napster did um, because now I could have a whole, you know, hard drive full of music for free at that point because Napster was yeah. free. Um, so the whole streaming thing has changed the game. But um, in your view, do you think vinyl records in many ways kind of complement streaming? I mean, talk to me about your view on on the way the digital nature of music now. I'm, I'm, I, for a while, let me see. I think from like the year 2000 to 2014, I had stopped collecting records. And that was the time I initially moved to Los Angeles. I had moved to Los Angeles from Chicago in like 1999. And uh, I think when I first got down there, I didn't like, I don't know, so I went to one record store and I didn't like the experience and I just stopped. It was like this place called the Record Collectors on Melrose and the guy was a real, you know, mm -hmm. And I just stopped caring about records at that. I don't know what, a switch turned off. Hmm. And so in 2014, I went into a record store with a buddy and then it, you know, it, the switch turned back on and I haven't stopped since. But from that year of 2000 to 2014, I got into MP3s and I was downloading everything on MP3 and records and rare stuff, all kinds of stuff, this MP3s. I haven't really gotten to the title or Spotify or stuff like that because I'm I'm still an MP3 guy. Okay. <laughs> SoulSeek was my my favorite application to find MP MP3s and mm. but I I find MP3s easier because like I say it's it's you know well digital music is is easier because it's easy to take with you. You can put it on your phone. I was a big iPod guy. And then when the phones got the capability to put MP3s and stuff on it, oh man, I'm, they're on my phone. I can play it when I want to. I don't have to worry about internet, you know, dropping off and I can't hear anything. It's on my phone, you know? So, I mean, I think they go hand in hand. You know, a lot of times I'll take my albums and I'll convert them to MP3, you know, or songs I want. So, you know, they, they go hand in hand. Um, are you a proponent or I know many people believe that vinyl sounds better than digital. And I, and I think the technology is catching up. I think there are mm -hmm. some, uh, you mentioned Tidal. The one thing I like about Tidal is they actually have a, a, a hi-fi option where, and they actually, sometimes now they're posting the masters, right, of, of digital mm -hmm. music. So you get some of that warmth. Um, but, you know, there's something about just a nice, vinyl sound you know two channel you know and it's just to me it just sounds more full and you you do hear things i think a little bit better because of the way the you know the wavelengths are a little bit low, slower and that's just my own opinion yeah and and the fact that you know a vinyl record especially uh, back in the day 
you would get the whole story, the artist, they would, you know, a lot of times writers of note would write the liner notes, especially the lot of the jazz albums, Blue Note. Yeah. You know, your Nat Hintoffs, your people like that would write these essays, um, giving you a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. So, um, yeah, man. So uh, in, in terms of what you play it on, I know, uh, again, um, I'm seeing, you know, I, I am not one of these types that's going to pay two grand for a record player, <laughs> you know, or a weighted balance. And, you know, your, your stylus cartridge is $400. No, I'm, I got a nice set. I got a nice amp, preamp and all that. But are you a high end high-end turntable kind of guy or or i'm a technique 1200 turntable okay. kind of guy okay okay, okay. <laughs> i will admit i do want a marantz receiver and it could just because of the height you know if i was able to find one in the wild for cheap i would get that you know um i'm not a big audiophile like i have to have the pristine the speakers you right. know measured this far away <laughs> and the sound dampening i just I'm turning it up. I'm turning it loud, and I'm I'm, I'm jamming, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I I can appreciate that, you know. I I read some of the articles about the the argument versus analog versus digital. As long as I can hear it and and I can catch the melody and the beat, and that's good enough for me, yeah. you know. As long as it's, it's not muffled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if you collect. Uh, I'm a I'm a big Prince collector, and but what's your thought? Yeah. I put some of my, my favorite Prince oh, yeah, albums right behind me. Oh, let's talk, man. I'm a, I'm a Prince maniac. So. <laughs> you know, I, this was uh, 1999. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then man. Purple Rain came out. Oh, yeah. And then this ain't Prince, but these were the records I had in my rotation. Prince, Michael Jackson, 1999. Yeah. I just, you know, controversy, all that, just... That, that those 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 82 83 84 man that's the long rotation see for me i loved the remixes i'm a i love alternative versions remixes and so uh if you remember from us back in the day prince would put out an a side hit but a lot of the best stuff was on the b side man. yeah and you'd get yeah. these eight minute tracks you'd get a 21 minute track of you know america i mean all of these this music because he has so much music yeah. So um, I'm asking you that leading up to, you know, I, we were recording this on, you know, in mid-March, but they just made the announcement that the infamous Camille album is going to be released on vinyl. And, really? Yeah. And so for those who don't know, uh, Camille was an alter ego of Prince. Uh, it was with the high voice. So you heard it on House Quake. Uh, yeah. You heard it on, on songs like that. Um, and so this was like the holy grail. The Black album is one thing. Camille was a whole nother level, man. And so uh, Jack White, I think, from the White Stripes, that he's got a big time production vinyl company. They're collaborating with the Prince of State to put it out. And the reason I'm asking you this is because it seems, though, the re-releases of classic albums aren't necessarily because some people thought, oh, well, that would affect the, the, the originals. Mm -hmm. but it, it's actually I think it's making the originals more valuable because they're putting them out now and people could have access to them, but it's still not like that first pressing, man. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big reissue buyer. I try to keep everything OG, <laughs> but I mean, there's a few things that are just, I'll grab, you know, because it's either impossible and my patience is wearing thin trying to find it, or I just, just want it for whatever reason, hmm. you know, and, like most of these these reissues of stuff I have, like 
like I think they reissued what was it Sign of the Times lately, yeah. and they had yeah. like extra versions and stuff whole, like that. Yeah, man, it was like five. Well, no more than that. I think like seven or eight albums worth of material. Yeah, uh, from the vault, right? You know that I I would probably buy that on CD or MP3, and just stick with the original vinyl. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the type of person I am. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll keep the original vinyl and get the MP3 or the or the CD and listen to it like that. Yeah. I used to be a big tapes person before, like around when 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 hip hop really mm-hmm. came around, like the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just tapes, I, and I liked the records, but you couldn't take the records everywhere. I loved the art, but it was like, okay, I got my boombox here. Yeah, <laughs> I need to tape to play it on. So I was buying tapes. You know, did you tape off the radio back in the day? Oh, all the time. I used to stay up all night, man, trying to catch the joints, the hot eight at eight, taping the song you wanted, you know. And when the, there was a college radio station, WHBK 88.5 in Chicago. And that's how we heard a lot of the New York hip hop or West Coast hip hop in Chicago. They would play the unedited versions and stuff. And we, you know, it's hard getting a signal because it was a small college station and you'd have like a coat hanger and a wire attached to it and moving the antenna and once you got a clear signal you stuck with it and you were just hmm, don't move <laughs> don't move and just getting all the songs and, and, and we go play basketball and play it in the boom box and like okay you know that, that was my early forays back in the day man uh let me share a couple of my favorites with you because i pulled a couple man okay uh, one thing i noticed uh you did a whole show on uh, dilla and yes if you look behind me i don't know if you can see Right next to the Edric show is, is Dilla, right? Dilla on the MPC. <laughs> One of my favorite records is actually an interpretation of Dilla uh, by Robert Glasper, the Dilla Lose Suite. Okay. Uh, this one, it was hard to find. Uh, it took me a while to get it. But from Robert Glasper, Tribe, um, another one, because I, I knew you was a big fan of Dilla. Uh, this one's just instrumentals. What is that? It's that slum village, man. Fantastic oh, volume two, the instrumentals. I got the, I got the, the actual one still. Yeah, yeah, man. So talk to me about. Uh, I mean, I know there's a new book out about Dilla, but talk to me about what Dilla means to you, and just maybe explain why he's such an important artist, man. Um, let's see. I'm gonna say I got on the, the when he was going by JD. I wasn't that big of a fan, and I like the stuff with slum. I mean, I like the stuff with um. Far side and yep. the roots and stuff like yep. that. But I was like, oh, he's just like, you know, okay, Pete Rock clone or whatever. Right. It was when he became more Jay Dillon and I started, and I used to be on the, the, the message board, okay, player and Quest Love. Mm-hmm. He would always say, oh man, you guys, JD Dillon is, is the next level. He could do the stuff Premier can do. He can do the stuff Pete Rock can do all better. His new batch of beats, you're not ready for this. So I was like, okay, what has he got? And this is around a time, like maybe a year or two before Donuts came out. Okay. Before everybody knew he was sick and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He put little snippets like that, uh, that move beat that Q-tip used. He put that up as a snippet and a couple other stuff. So I was like, all right, this is, this is, this is, this is more soulful. I, I like that stuff. And then when I heard a couple of the, the beat tapes where he took the Motown stuff and just chopped it up, I was like, wow, this is ill. And then when Donuts came out, 
I, I just I had to bear witness because I was just a primo guy before that. Like you couldn't, if it was primo, you couldn't tell me nothing. Nah, he's not, nobody's better than primo. This is DJ Premier, mm-hmm. you know? And then I just slowly, slowly, slowly started changing my tune. It's just like, oh man, this Dilla guy here, he, he's something else. Just what he would do on just the MP3 or I mean the MPC. It was just crazy. So genius, man. It was genius. You know, and, and what it means to me is just unbridled creativity. Mm-hmm. He didn't let the limitations of the machine stop him. You know, he found a way, whatever he had in his head, he found a way to get out of the machine he was on. Mm-hmm. You know, and then just his work ethic, you know, his his dedication, his his discipline. You know, there were admirable qualities. You know, I, I've always admired people that could hear a song and put the beat together in their head because that's not how I could do it. I had to put it on the plat, the pads and play around with it till it sounded like something good, but to make it in his head and then get on the pads and make, bring it out. That to me is like a whole nother level. Yeah. I've always been drawn to innovators and I think, you know, the stuff he did with common on the like water for chocolate, that, that one, uh, oh, yeah. that blew me away, man. And so I started getting into him and some of the remixes he was doing, and you know, running to me with the far side is is, is top five yeah. all time. You know, you talk hip hop, you can't talk and discuss the legacy of hip hop without putting running up there. And yeah. What I like to do is because I have the remixes, I like listening to the instrumentals. And when you hear the instrumental of running, or uh, he did the remix of Saturday Night, uh, I mean, you hear some of the things he did and how he influenced. De La Soul and oh and yeah, Rod stakes is high. And Kanye and all of these folks, man, D'Angelo, uh, all of these people that he's he was the the source material, man. He yeah, he was that 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 DNA that 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 sourdough bread starter, right? I mean, that, that, <laughs> he was an inspiration. Took a little bit of that, and it just mushroomed, man. And I think um, when you see him interpreted by great artists like Robert Glasper. Um, who I love, man. I just saw him a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, when he interprets Dilla and just how orchestral it and just how it's, it's, it's just indescribable. It's just, it's, you know, it's just motivating. It's, it's beautiful. beautiful. It's beautiful. That's the way that's. I just got a, a hard copy of the most, the suite for my Dukes. Mm. And that is a beautiful listen. Just to hear them interpretate fantastic. Look of Love, uh, the intro, just, mm-hmm. you know, and Cream Riggins on the drums. It's just, yeah, man. Yeah. It, it, he made beautiful music that, that had a hard feel to it, you know? Right. That was, that, was, that was his strength, man. He'd take something, make it sound beautiful, but still have that ruggedness that was hip hop, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And his own little funky bounce to it that, you know, it was, it was, yo. <laughs> Yeah. No, we can go on all day, man. We got a got a couple minutes left, and so let me just start start um, wrapping it up. But first of all, just thanking you for coming on, man, and chopping it up about vinyl music. Maybe we can come on. You can come on again, man. And as you acquire oh, things, yeah. we can compare albums and 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 maybe pick some themes and topics to talk about. Most but, uh, but yeah, and so for you, man, just um, as we close, you know, again for our listening audience, what would you tell them about? about vinyl and what motivates you and, and maybe just, you know, what, what would you share with someone who says, you know, I really, I, I really think this vinyl thing is cool. Um, hmm. 
That's hard to say. I mean, people collect for different reasons. Maybe me is nostalgia, you know, trying to hold on to that piece of my childhood, you know, and, you know, because I, I look at it, sometimes I buy records and I don't even listen to them. You know, I'll buy them and just stack them to the side. And, you know, I don't know why I do that. <laughs> Maybe it's a hoarder in me. Like, you know, I know what it sounds like and I just, I feel more comfortable having it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but I would say just have to start with a love of music, you know, and, you know, just, you know, don't get caught up in grails and hype and stuff like that. Buy what you like, you know what I mean? buy and listen to what you like and if you know one of these grails of hype does float your boat hey go for it you know mm-hmm. but last, learn your own tastes last quick question for you um are you a crates guy or are you a uh like for me man I, I like i'm a little or- i like organization and alphabet i like organization i'm yeah. a calyx guy okay yeah, yeah yeah okay for sure you know i have them out and then i have the pictures of the record facing out on it when i have it that's how i like it yeah yeah, I was a crates guy for a while until I, I became more mature. And I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm done with these crates, man. I got to be a little more sophisticated with how I store my, my vinyl. So, um, you know, right now I have everything in boxes. I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the process of moving. So I'm still, I can't wait to get done moving so I can put them on back on the shelves on the wall and have them nicely displayed and everything. But for now, they're all in boxes. Right on, man. You know. The Gregory Craig, a.k.a. B-Dub. Thank you so much. If people want to get a hold of you on your Instagram, how can they get a hold of you, man? Uh, it's B-L-D-N-G-B-L-C-K on Instagram. Um, YouTube channel is Everything OG. Uh, Twitter, B-L-D, B-L-D-G-N, B-L-C-K. Though I'm not very active on that, but sure. Instagram is where I'm mostly at. Okay, we'll put links in the in the uh, description so everybody can find you, man. And again, um, it was cool running into you, man. It was it was a nice. Likewise, another brother, uh, interesting brother out doing the thing, man, and and elbow to elbow with people. (laughs) Get this music, man. That may be our our next topic of conversation. Like, where are we at when it comes to, you know, buying records and digging? You don't see a lot of us, you know, no. You don't, man. And it's strange because, um, you know, I know we're quick, a little quick aside. Um, that seems to have fueled some of the value increase, I'll say, is just that there's, a, you know, when, and I don't want to label a bunch of people, but, you know, the hipsters, right? The people yeah. in the coffee shops and, the, you know, and they got and and <clears throat> it seems like that has had an impact on the industry, on the vinyl collecting uh, industry, because we were kind of underground for a long time. And, yeah. uh, you know, DJs or whatever, and even DJs now, they really don't need vinyls per se. But uh, I just started to notice, uh, you know, there's record stores in like Napa now. And right now, <laughs> um, it's like, OK, OK. So but yeah, man, let's get let's, we'll have you back on and uh, we'll focus a little bit more on uh, on that next phase about the collecting process. Yes, so, sir. Again, thanks for having me, man. Likewise, man. So uh, sit tight. This is The Edric Show. I'm your host, Edric Jerome. Please hit subscribe, and you will always get intelligent conversation with interesting people. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.